I learned the good, the bad, the ugly of medicine, and uh, it was it was a uh, it was good, a good experience. But after about ten years of of, of, of basically building this huge practice for, uh, you know, I love capitalism, man. I, I'm a big mm-hmm. supporter. I'm not yeah. a socialist, but. Um, you know, I realized that uh, I was closer to 40 than I was to 30. That I was like, you know what, I need to, if I don't do it now, I am not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. So yeah. I, so I jumped off the cliff and uh, there was uh, no parachute. I mean, I knew that I wanted to do something for myself. And at the time, I, uh, I left this thriving, you know, huge practice. And all my buddies were like, man, are you crazy? Like, are, hmm. are you, are you, I mean, you need, yeah, literally, he refused my resignation letter um, because there were um, there were three there were, there were, uh, several partners in the group, and mm-hmm. I was um, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, producer in that practice. And so, uh, when I left, it was it was a big void. Yeah, and uh, and basically handed over practice to a young guy and said, "Hey, man." I'm walking away. Yeah. So it took a lot of guts, but um, I learned a lot. I mastered my craft in those 10 years. Uh, uh, at least as a physician, knew what it took and what what really connects with people and how to connect with people. Uh, there's an art and science to, to medicine, and I felt like I knew both, but I didn't have a whole lot of business acumen, but I knew that I needed to do something for myself. Yeah. So... Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Rudy Herrera. Yes, sir. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. It's been a, it's been a heck of a day for you, I bet. Yeah? Um, doing well. Doing well. Dr. Rudy Herrera. You know, I got to say, for someone that's been through a gajillion years of school to Uh become a doctor, you're one of the most humble, laid-back doctors I've ever met in my life. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I get that quite a bit. Yeah, no, I think humility is important. It's a good virtue, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it really good is you and I have partnered up because— that's something that I am trying to work on is humility, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's tough. Uh, the other things that you know, like patience, is is another. You know, one of those things I need to work on. You know, we all have, we're all broken, so to speak. But uh, that's that's my fall. Not yeah. b- being impatient and uh, not not uh, being patient with the process. Yeah, but some good learning obstacles. That, Paid my dummy tax with a lot of that stuff. Well, I tell you, your work ethic and the amount that you work is impressive. I mean, you are a man yeah. on a mission. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it's just, tell yeah. me about that. Well, I tell you what, before we jump into that, yeah. my father-in-law says that I have to start every one of these podcasts off of the joke. Beautiful. This one's perfect for you since you just got back from Mexico. What washes up on very small beaches? Oh, uh, wow. 
Is this is this PG or yeah, we, are we yeah, yeah. Or, okay. I mean, we don't okay. have to be. I wasn't sure. Hey, this is like, hey, this is uh, okay. this is a free country. We can no, say no, whatever no, no. we want. I'm not sure. The joke like, is PG. Okay, our content may not be. Okay, there's no bonds like Elon no, Musk no, no, and Joe Rogan. Okay, okay. I don't know the. Let's see, jellyfish. I'm not sure. Microwaves. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. Man, my father like when he said you got to do this, and at first I was like, I'm not going to do it, but I wanted to. You know, he's been such a great father-in-law and mentor that I, you know, I wanted him to feel like he was a part of it, and then now it's just kind of become a thing. Awesome. Yeah. There's always a, I guess, a hook no. with these things. Always, right? Yeah. Always. So, work ethic, man. Where does that drive come from? Man, I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, I think it really comes from my mother, right? So she yeah. came over to the U.S. basically uh, uh, in her late twenties, uh, and uh, had had a f- our, our family, um, and uh, she had fourth grade education, and my dad also pretty much <clears throat> fourth grade education, and man, they hustled, they worked. Uh, she she basically was uh, she cleaned houses growing up she cleaned houses so i remember uh vividly early on she would she would do she had a little business uh so she would uh clean um uh there was mervin's i don't know if you remember mervin's it's like a bell's and she would clean the department store early in the morning and then clean houses during the day and then at night she'd clean office buildings so it was like dude i she you know uh and she worked pretty much seven days a week and then as we grew up, some of the houses that she would, uh, you know, clean, there would be, you know, my brother and I, we would cut the yard and, 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 uh, and then it was just like, man, she would never stop working. And, uh, when she became a citizen, I remember I was in, in undergrad at the time and, uh, you know, when they take these fingerprints, right, it mm-hmm. was like her hands were like totally demolished from all the chemicals that she was using. So there's hardly any fingerprints that she could get, but Man, that work ethic is just like ingrained. Like I just, you know, whenever I was in undergrad, you know, doing organic chemistry or whatever, I'm like, you know, sitting in a room, AC room, you know, uh, just, you know, belly full and just kind of bitching about, you know, having to study so much. Then I would think back, I'm like, man, my mom's cleaning houses from sun, you know, sunrise to sunset. So that just became second nature. You know, it's like, Hey, uh, you know, I got two arms and two feet. Let's, let's hustle. Let's grow. Uh, and then secondly, you know, as a resident, you just become, you used to work in hundred hour weeks. So when you kind of, as you progress through your training, you get more kind of a leadership quality or leadership, uh, role. Uh, and so, so you defer a lot of the, the scut work to the, the, the newer guys, the new, the new docs. And, uh, that, so when I was working, you know, hundred hour weeks and then I would be off on the way, I'd kind of go through withdrawals. I'd be like, well, what do I do? It's like, <laughs> uh, so at one point, uh, man, even as a resident, I, I, I had three jobs. Like I was moonlighting at the federal prison. I was moonlighting at the County jail. And then I was moonlighting. I was just as a resident, as a resident. So yeah. I, I would basically, uh, cause you're really not earning a whole lot of money as a resident, man. You're earning like. 20, 30,000. And you're like, you don't literally have to buy any food because you're 
at the hospital. You eat breakfast there, lunch and <laughs> dinner. So it's like, <laughs> oh. so I was just, you know, I don't know, man. It's just became second nature. And I think it's just a lot of muscle memory now. And now I'm, uh, you know, it, I'm always like my wife, even when she, we dated for five years, she really didn't know me right? because I was always doing something. Uh, and I paralleled a lot of my uh, uh, physical, uh, you know, uh, mental uh, fortitude to some of the physical fortitude. So when I was a resident, I've always wanted to do an Ironman. I did like three Ironmen. Uh, well, I did two Ironmen and two half Ironmen, and I got that out of my system. Uh, and I was always training. And then I started a new practice uh, and uh, committed to that, grown a, a, a super prosperous practice uh, from in 2008. And um, in 2018, I walked away from that practice. Um, but I built it from scratch, and it was I was literally seeing 60, 70 patients a day. And uh, Did you just say 60 to 70? To 70? And a busy day. Yeah, man. I would. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I had other, uh, uh, you know, physician assistants help me with sure. that. But I, I would de- typically take all, you know, the complicated cases or uh, needy patients and, yeah. and kind of get the, the, old, the older non-complicated patients to my mid-levels and what have you. But, you know, so it's just second nature, man. I don't know if I can. I have an off switch. But uh Man, I, I basically comes back to to the you know my mother's work ethic. Like, I, man, I, you know I can't complain. Man, I I'm, I get to work inside. Uh, I don't get to to deal with anybody's crap. You know, I mean, literally. But uh, but yeah, it, it comes from her, man. Man, so kind of going back a little bit, you know, with your. Your parents having, you know, not very much education. At what point in your life did you say, I think I'm going to go to medical school, I'm going to go be a doctor? At what age did, did that, do you think that? Man, I think it maybe began um, in, in high school. I, I uh, went, got a scholarship to go to a private school in San Antonio. And Which it, one? Uh, Central Catholic. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, uh I remember my my senior year, I took an anatomy and physiology, uh, uh, and my one of my classmates. Uh, it was like a big final. And he's like, "Hey, man, why don't you come over? We can we can study together." And uh, I remember going to his house. I'm like, "Dude, this is like a freaking mansion." <laughs> like, who lives here? I was like, uh, "So, the funny uh. thing about this is an interesting story." So I I remember studying at this guy's house. I'm like, "What does your dad do? Is he?" Part of the cartel. What was he do? Like, <laughs> He's a drug lord. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so he, uh, we studied. He told me he was a physician and worked at the university, and really great guy. Uh, the irony was uh, interesting story with this is that four years later, I hadn't seen the guy. He went to A and M. I went to Texas, UT. Yeah. And uh, there's a big what they call white coat ceremony. The first day okay. of of medical school, they give you they you basically give you a white coat. Okay. Uh, and uh, there's a big ceremony for that. And so you walk up to, to the medical school and, and you basically get a name tag. No one knows anybody. There's 200 brand new students. No one knows anybody. So I'm, I'm walking up to the table to check in. I turn to my right. It's the same guy. <laughs> the same guy I had uh, anatomy with. And where and, was it? Where, what medical school? Uh, was it? UT San Antonio. UT San Antonio. So yeah, he yeah. went to a and I went to Texas. We came back. 
We weren't tight, but yeah. uh, it's an interesting story. I think he's an orthopedic surgeon here uh, somewhere in the United States. But uh, so I remember meeting him back, and we hung out. We we laughed about that, and then his dad was still teaching at the university. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of got an idea. Maybe then I really didn't have a lot of confidence. Maybe yeah. uh, I kind of. I didn't really proclaim it or tell anybody. Maybe my dad. I, I shared my story, my my kind of vision with my dad, and uh, and uh, so I basically went to undergrad, and I was like, man, what do I want to do with my life? And I walked on at University of Texas, ran at the track on on the track team, and uh, did that for about two and a half years. And I was like, man, what I got to I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And I, the reason I, I was kind of drew to to the sciences. Uh, uh, was to kind of figure out how I could become a better runner. Like, what it, what do proteins do? What does ATP do? What is how does how do the cells work? Well, how do your muscles work? What is you know uh, that that whole process? So that was always kind of like a, a, a piqued my interest. And then uh, so I started uh, taking some uh, you know classes, uh, and then um, and I was like, you know, if you really want to think about medicine, let me go volunteer. So I started volunteering at one of the community clinics uh, in East Austin, mostly as an interpreter. So I was like interpreting for Spanish-speaking patients to to the physicians, that, and I was just, I just volunteered for about a year. And then I got mm-hmm. a job, and then I, I was like, you know what, I think I can do this. Um, so I just committed to it, man. I just like said, like tunnel-like vision, I said, I'm going to do this. Uh, and then uh, graduated and basically, uh, I graduated uh, in that summer. At, at that time, you could only take the MCAT, which is a, like an entrance exam, in April and then once again in um, in August. So I graduated in May, and I said, you know what? I'm going to just like close myself in the room. So I would I would study pretty, pretty much all day that summer. I would uh, wake up, uh, do a Kaplan review course, and then uh, and then basically from eight to like four or five and then from five to seven I'd go work out like go go for at the time I had some buddies that we would run I was a, I was a super big runner at the time um, and we would meet and then at the after workouts I would, I'd come home shower and like do like a hundred questions every night just practicing like at the time you had to do like a physical sciences biological mm-hmm. sciences and then you had a writing essay uh, portion and a, and a uh, verbal reasoning section so there's it's a bit complicated. It was it was an all day exam, yeah. so I was like, man, I've never been a good exam taker. So I was like, man, I'm gonna, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put the hours in. So yeah. uh, I worked at that, and uh, that summer I just committed and took the exam, and and uh, you know, luckily got in and interviewed at all the schools in in Texas, and then I, I wanted to stay back home and stayed in San Antonio. Okay. So where did you do your residency at? So I, I came up here to Fort Worth at JPS and uh, did a family residence residency there, and then I did a, a sports fellowship, and then I did a, a pain fellowship after that. So five years of training, and then halfway into my fellowship, uh, I got a phone call from uh, one of the local guys in the area, and he's like, hey, I heard good things about you. Uh, I'd like to hire you. I was like, man, I... I uh, some one good thing I, I want to I'm going to share tonight is is my gut with with this first interview was was not good. I turned the guy down. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I should have gone with my gut, but, uh, but uh, I didn't. I thought I was going to do something, but it, it, you're kind of going through this anxious part in your life. And should I stay? Should I, should I leave? Should I, should I get married? Should I not get married? Should I, you know, what should I do? Should I, you know, whatever. But, you know, there is, uh, in this process, I think that I, I did definitely learned a lot from this one gentleman, this other physician. Uh, but uh, I learned the good, the bad, the ugly of medicine. And uh, it was it was uh, it was good, a good experience. But after about ten years of of, of, of basically building this huge practice for, uh, you know, I love capitalism, man. I, I'm a big mm-hmm. supporter. I'm not yeah. a socialist, but um, you know, I realized that uh, I was closer to forty than I was to thirty. That I was like, you know what, I need to. If I don't do it now, I am not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. So yeah. I so I jumped off the cliff, and uh, there was. Uh, no parachute. I mean, I knew that I wanted to do something for myself. And at the time I, uh, I left this thriving, you know, huge practice and all my buddies were like, man, are you crazy? Like, are you, are you, are you, I mean, you need, yeah, literally he refused my resignation letter. Um, because there were, um, there were three, there were, there were, uh, several partners in the group and I mm-hmm. was, um, one of the biggest, if not the biggest producer in that practice. And so, uh, when I left, it was, it was a big void yeah. and, uh, and basically handed over practice to a young guy and said, Hey man, I'm walking away. Yeah. So it took a lot of guts, but, uh, I learned a lot. I mastered my craft in those 10 years. Uh, uh, at least as a physician knew what it took and what, what really connects with people and how to connect with people. Uh, there's an art and science to, to medicine and I felt like I knew both, but I didn't have a whole lot of business acumen, but I knew that I needed to do something for myself. Yeah. So, man. So, and then just for the audience, yeah. what kind of, what kind of medicine? So I do interventional pain okay. management. So manage chronic pain issues, whether it's weird stuff like, uh, um, phantom limb pain or just, Regular back pain, you know, people with chronic back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, any kind of musculoskeletal pain, uh, cancer pain. So lots of different types of pain syndromes, weird stuff like mm-hmm. CRPS, things like that. Um, but man, I just, uh, there's a void there, there's a need there. I think that there's, anyways, I can go off on that. But yeah. uh, but in that process, I, I, I uh, you know, I, I started learning more about regenerative medicine Started doing a lot of regenerative medicine with some some big pioneers in, in the in that industry uh, over the last three or four years. Learned a lot from there, uh, but you know I've got a thriving medical practice. Um, you know I've got uh, three primary care clinics I own, uh, a two two pain practices I own, and we're I'm, I'm closing on two other uh, primary care practices in in the next two weeks here. So we'll have five. Uh, and uh, trying to grow that. And uh, for me, it's like, right now, it's like, that's why I look at things is I, I have, I'm trading my time for assets. Mm-hmm. So those assets can give me time back. Yeah. So like, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, buying these practices or building practices or real estate so that uh, those assets will give me 
the freedom to really do what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, we all, we, we, you know, that's how we connected, right? Yeah. You know, um, so I, I feel like uh, for me, it's always been a, I, I have this general sense of where I want to go, but it's always like a series of mistakes. You're kind of fa- falling forward, so to speak. That's my driver's license. Right? <laughs> my, not my driver's <laughs> license, but my driver's uh, license plate says fall forward, you know, basically yeah. fall forward in, in the direction that you want to go. Uh, you're going you're gonna to mess up. You're going to make mistakes, but as long as you can get up and kind of move in that direction, whether it's uh, whether it's real estate, whether it's uh, buying medical practices, whether it's mastering a certain technique or certain procedure, mm-hmm. you, you gotta, you just gotta do it, man. It's the only way you get it. So, and this is not this next statement is not intended to take away all the hard work and. Amazing things you've done, but really one of the fascinating things about you is I literally forget you're a doctor. You are, even though you've done all the work and education and millions of patients and all of this, when you and I connected, I was like, this guy's more of an entrepreneur than he is a doctor, right? And some people might say, well, doctors are entrepreneurs too, but doctors are good at many times doctoring, but not doing the business portion of it, right? So they hire people to do the business portion of it, but where you... Your mindset is like, how do we take things, grow things, and make them profitable for the the very element that you said is time is a commodity. We cannot buy more of. We can't get a refund on it once spent. And the only way to get more of that is to create an element that affords us more time to do one of a number of things, which is either grow more businesses, spend more time with family, or do something we want to do, Right. You know, I think I'm be honest with you, man. I, um, it's like reinventing yourself. Like when you're not the same person when you were 20 or 30, right? For me, it was always about reaching my potential. Like uh, whether it was doing an Ironman, like I've never, I didn't have a coach. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. But it's you run, you swim two and a half miles, you you bike 100, and, uh, I forget uh, 112, and then you run a marathon. <laughs> you know, on all in one day. But I was like, you know what? I've never done that. Let me see if I can do that. Yeah. And I just did it. What is that driver? Let me stop you there. I don't just know. What is it that, because I don't know that any entrepreneur has really been able to answer this for me through all the recordings that we've done. It's like, what is that? Do you think it's just something that you, maybe you're born with somewhere along the way, it just manifests inside of you or what? It just becomes... This thing that like enough is never enough, right? Man, I know it's and and man, I, I think that people that are not wired this way will never get it, right? People right. That, like uh, my wife, you know, I yeah. love her, but she's like, dude, what, when are you going to stop? Like you, when when like I mean, I, I stopped the regenerative <laughs> medicine. I took I registered for an online course at Rice University uh, to do uh, learn about real estate, and um, you know. I'll, Till twelve, doing some homework and and then trying to be up at four forty to to do these things. I don't know, man. I don't know what you know. What I can't I can't explain it for everyone. I think maybe maybe it's a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Maybe I'll be honest with you. Like the full transparency. Maybe it's the 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 I don't know feeling inadequate and saying, Rudy, you know, and and not that I need to prove myself to anyone. It's just saying, like, dude, can I do it? Isn't it, can, isn't it, isn't it funny with what you just said? Is we're I don't care about anybody else. Right? Yeah, like it's it's not them that I'm 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 running against. 
it's the one in the mirror. Yeah. Right. And, and I think it's a series of reinventions, right? And so, uh, when I, when I, when I got in med school, let me just get through this day. Let me yeah. just get, let me just, it's like, sometimes it's like drinking water out of a fire hydrant. Let me just get yeah. through this. So I, I finished that. I'm like, okay, what's next? What's the next mountain to climb? Well, let me do this fellowship. Oh, well, let me do another fellowship. Okay. Well, let me, you know, do this and let me build a practice, you know, huge practice. Yeah. And then walk, I'm like, and then who would walk away from that? I would, at the point in my, at that point in my life, I was comfortably unhappy. Right. And it wasn't just that I could do it, but I was like, there's gotta be more out of my, my life. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's just a constant search for like reaching and maximizing your, your potential. Like you're here and you want to be here. The Delta is that that's the potential. And, the that's really what, you know, um, what, I guess, what motivates me and my, my buddies are like, dude, what, what are you doing, man? Like, I don't even want to share stuff with people because mm-hmm. if you share stuff with people, there's inevitably going to be hate. There's inevitably going to be hate. There's going to be like, dude, when's enough enough? You know, people that don't get it, you know, I, I'll share stuff with my wife, but my buddies are like, dude, well, why do you keep doing this? And it, I, I, there's going to be hate. So I, I prefer to be silent and move in silence. Yeah. And uh, so that that's kind of, kind of, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. Haters are going to hate, yeah. aren't they? They're going to hate. They're going to hate. Like, um, so Vincent Hancock, we got a recording, a series with him, multiple gold medals and Olympics and world champion. I mean, this, this guy is the best skeet shooter on the planet. Like there's no one better. And even when he went through his challenges of, you know, you're not always, like you said, you're going to land on your face. You're going to, you're going to mess things up or you're going to hit just like this crossroads or fork and road, whatever you want to call it. Right. And he said, man, I had people telling me you're washed up. You might as well quit and all that. And we get really annoyed when we hear that. Right. Not because we believe it. We really don't believe any of it. We're like, what? No, it's just, you're saying this because of your own insecurities for whatever reason. And I don't want to hear your own insecurities, man. And yeah. there's so much like, man, I'll, I'll, I've never shared this. Right. Like, man, I I've suffered with dyslexia. Right. And, and uh, it was like, I remember third grade, my, uh, my teacher was like, uh, you're not going to pass. <laughs> and I was like, what the, <laughs> like I was just walking to the restroom and she pulls me over and she says, you're not going to pass third grade yeah. and I was like what do you mean and she was you just, I, I, don't, I just remember this lady uh, but uh, I, you know I don't know maybe that's the the I don't know how to explain it right and it's not that I uh, like I said before it's not that I need to bang my chest or proclaim to everyone you know look at my net worth or look at what I've accomplished look at my diplomas and man I just it's just, it's just me, right? So I think that there's a lot of parallels with, with what what has helped me kind of get um, uh, uh, strength. Uh, it was was my running, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of solitude in, in doing a 20 mile run, or you know, um, and, and that 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 paralleled into. Uh, well, you know, if I can really do well at the state cha- state meet, then mm-hmm. why can't I do well academically? And so I just, you know, I just sat down and said, I'm going to do it. And uh, 
figuring out a way to, to, to be persistent and, and, uh, you know, that, that's kind of how it evolved, I think for me. You know, it's really, what's really interesting about our relationship is there's so many things that we share in similarities, right? And you and I've talked about them many, many times to, we both are doing stuff together now and, but we were both kind of, I don't know, because we've been burned so many times, right? Where there's something that is to be said about guys like you and me in that we've been given every reason never to trust another human being ever again. And anytime we've opened up that kimono, man, they just pulled out that dagger and just slayed it, right? But then you and I crossed paths and it was like, the shared experiences of that helped you and I forge a trust that's, you know, I, I know that I, it's one of the things, your trust in me is something that I, I mean, I get goosebumps just talking about it, is something I value of just one of the biggest values, right? And that shared trust is growing up and not having the things that all other kids had. Growing up both being dyslexic. I mean, with me dropping out of high school at 17 and then not knowing how to read till I was 19 effectively at all. People were like, how'd you make it this far? Like even when I was a detective, my dyslexia is so bad. Even when I was a detective of Fort Worth PD, my supervisor would have to review my warrants, not because the probable cause wasn't there. It was because spell check didn't matter. Well, at that point, I was working a violent sex crimes unit. At that point, the suspect kicked open the door to the horse entered and penetrated her month with it, you know, and, and it, like, why don't you use spell check? I was like, look, month and mouth, both of them look the same to me. Horse and I, I, it doesn't matter if there's a spell check, right? Yeah. And it's just, but like you, you know, talking about third grade and those insecurities that are bred there that wasn't really the insecurities I was too much worried about everybody else, but that whole chasing it all the time where since then you've gone to college, you got you went to medical school, you've, you've done all these things, but yet it's that right there in your ear, right? And, and it was the same way for me, you know, going to TCU on a full academic scholarship, getting an MBA from TCU, one of the most recognized colleges for MBAs there is. And still, it's that noise mm-hmm. in my ear of like enough's never enough. And so, as, as you know, I've got this executive coach, Tony Ford, and when we were doing uh, a recording with him, he said something that he may have said it before, but I just didn't listen or pay attention to it, but it made sense is he said, you know, sharks have to always be moving. Just by physical design, if they are not moving, they don't breathe. They suffocate. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, and he goes, a lot of entrepreneurs are like this, and he said a lot of people that are designed like you and I are like this is, it's like, man, that makes so much sense because I always feel like i got to be doing the next thing that what happens if I stop? Uh, I kind of want to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Even when you're on vacation, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, i got three books. I'm going to finish these before I, before I get out of here. It's like, God, am I, you know, it's like, <laughs> And even, even, and you know, I, 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 uh, I'll stack things, you know, there's a great book, uh, 
Atomic Habits, man. If you if you guys Atomic Habits, Atomic man. Habits yeah. talks about st- stacking your habits. Um, so everything I do, I try to optimize my time. Like try, you know, because uh, so I'll have a calendar. I say, okay, even if my everything's written out for me, like I, I a little app on my phone. So four thirty, wake up, get my coffee, meditate. Um, six so, o'clock, call Jeremy. Yeah, six o'clock. <laughs> I'm like, he's one of the few guys I can call at 6 a.m. I'm like, bro, hey, what's going on? Uh, uh, you know, it's my third cup of coffee. But like, if, if not, I'll be like on the road running. Yeah. Right? Um, listen to audio book. And so I'll try to do one or two books a week. And um, just, just, you know, there's a saying in Spanish, me quiero comer el mundo. Mm. Like, I want to just devour the world. And, um, so, you know, and I do a lot of self-help, but, you know, I'm trying to stay away from just concentrating on that, but I'm just doing uh, just some fun stuff, you know, uh, you know, listening to books like The Alchemist, um, uh, which I recommend as well. Uh, uh, but a lot of those books have some parallels with, uh, uh, I don't know, Alchemist was great. There's so many books, man. I, I don't know. This probably last year. Uh, this last year. I don't know how many we've re- I've read, but or listened to. But point is, it's, I just, I feel like there's so much, so little time on this world, right? And that um, I want to try to do everything I can to just fulfill my, I don't know, to fulfill myself. Racing the clock. Yeah. I, I don't know, even know how many episodes I've probably talked about that with is, I feel like I'm in competition with time. And... Like I said before, it's not a commodity you can buy more of or get a refund on it once spent. And, you know, you, you can't can't put more hours on the day. But I just feel like, man, I got to gotta race the clock. I got to do more. I got to be more. And even when Laura, like our wives, bless them. Yeah. Right. Uh, who just look at us and go, why can't you just relax? And... I think for me, it's, I'm scared to relax because I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know what that means. Like, I wouldn't know what to do with that. You know, I want to occupy that time. Like, I, I, I want to read a book. You know, I want to, I want to do something. I, I just, it's this constant, oh, I feel like I, I feel like I got to go do something. Mm-hmm. But you and I are, well, we're around in the corner for not being young chickens anymore. I, know, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I mean, father time. And Mother Nature get their pound of flesh sooner or later, right? Exactly. And when that happens, I think that's been the difficult thing that I've faced more so in the last couple of years is, man, the wear and tear on my body is, it's it's catching up, right? I mean, when my feet touch the floor in the morning, it hurts. You know, when I, you know, it's just, it's reality of what it is, right? Yeah. And I've never, I've never feared death. Right, death is the last thing in the world. I, and I've said this on other podcasts: is you know what, when it's when it's time for the when the man upstairs has decided it's time for your ticket to get punched. That was decided long before the day you were born. Mm-hmm. So you got no control over that. So I don't, I don't really worry about that, but I I worry about being insignificant, right? Not leaving a legacy, not doing something, not because I want anybody to read some great story about what I did or didn't do or anything else. It's just this, man, like I would say if somebody was going to ask me like, what is the worst absolute thing that could happen to me? 
is getting dementia or Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. right? I mean, material things are material things. I've made money, made a lot of it, lost a lot of it, and made it back again. I mean, you could take away all the things that I have. You could rip my class ring off my finger. That wouldn't change the fact that I sat through those classrooms and I got that education, that experience. You can rip my wedding band off my hand, and guess what? It doesn't change the fact that on May 26th each year, I honor the day that I said, uh, you know, I, I clearly got the better deal here with my life <laughs> as we celebrate our anniversary, yeah. and uh, which is funny because for being the female in the relationship, she can never remember. She's like, is it the 25th, 26th, or 27th, right? Oh, wow. wow yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what happened. You get married a second yeah. time, right? It was my first time or second time. She's just like, well, you're still around. You haven't gone yeah. anywhere. So, I mean, you're going to remind me whatever day it is. But it's just that constant ticking that's mm. just sitting there. And on one hand, it's the very thing that has helped be the driver of success. So it's, but on the other hand, it's also my kryptonite, right? It's that whole, what's a blessing is a curse and what's mm-hmm. a curse is a blessing, right? Yeah. And, and, and so I, I wonder about that. And especially as, you know, we. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, the th- thing about it is uh, it definitely, if you channel that, that energy, you know, uh, some people can, can look at that and say, I'm, I, I'm, there's the, I'm determined for failure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got this flaw. You can't do this, can't do that. I'm just going to just, it's predetermined for me, right? I give up. But if you channel that energy, right? If you channel that, uh, the, uh, whatever, inadequacy, the, the, the failure, just kind of focus in on that, then <coughs> you, 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 you can channel it to some success, right? <coughs> yeah. Uh, but, but being able to recognize like, okay, this is this is what ticks like this is what makes me move and this is what maybe I should uh, but being able to kind of like think about it and, and retrospect and say okay Rudy um, you don't have to do everything you want you know you don't have to shoot for everything right you're gonna fail it's okay but um, I don't know if that's the root of my uh, motivation um, or could just because. Why not? You know, let me just see if I can. Yeah. You know, uh, but for me, it may or may not. I, I don't feel incompetent. I don't feel uh, in any way, shape, or form inadequate when I'm, you know, talking mm-hmm. to other people or colleagues in my in my field. I feel pretty confident. Uh, but, I mean, I think it's just being able to, to – you know, how using those failures and channeling those failures into something successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that honestly, uh, I feel uh, like my, I have two little boys. I have a, a six and an 80 year old. Right. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, very precocious, super, super bright kids. Right. Like I, they're very bright, but you know, everyone says they're, they're sweet they're, kids. Yeah, too, yeah. man. They're good kids. Yeah. Uh, that's your boys that, are awesome. That's man. all, that's all mom, yeah. man. I, I can't take yeah. any credit for that. But, uh Point is this that they have every uh, everything I you know I, they they could ever want right uh, been to around the world been to Africa multiple times been uh, you know traveled all over right um, and uh, but I, I I fear that the the giving everything to your kids is is going to set them back like I almost want them to fail I want them to be 
like some sort of have some sort of deficit, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like uh, I don't know because it it helps them, you know, earlier on to say, hey, you know, I'm not the brightest, I'm not the sharpest, but let me let me figure out and put my head to it and figure this out. I don't know, you know, they're still young, but uh, you know, because there's very there's a lot of guys that I've met along the way in high school and undergrad. They're super competent, very bright, really high IQs, but they're working for. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to yeah, say anything, you know. So I think that as long as we channel stuff, it's it's going to be fine, man. So that fear that you have, man, I've experienced that lately. You know, um, I I wanted to provide our daughter with everything that I never had. To the point of like, I want you to go to college. I want you to have the college experience, you know. So I make the joke when people say, "Oh, what's she majoring in?" I'm like, having a good time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but when the pandemic hit, right? Um, and this was always kind of riding on me, even from when she was little. Is have I done enough to prepare her for this world? Because what you and I know as grown men is the world is not a nice, friendly place. It is harder to do the right thing every time. Mm -hmm. It is harder to be a better person and a good person because being a slacker and doing the wrong things and screwing over people, that's easy to do. That's the easy stuff to do. And I wanted to protect her from, from that and then realizing God, did I do did I did I do her any favors by that? And then but but you know, you're sitting there like, well, it's college, figure it out and hoping that she will. And then the pandemic hits where, you know, a number of daisy chains of other things have occurred in the current political environment, in the protest and writing environments, or as I can keep repeating myself to say, is the post-pandemic writing protesting election year trifecta of 2020. Like nothing <laughs> I'm afraid to say nothing else could go wrong because I'm sure something massively more could go wrong. But I was driving back to Colorado because, I mean, you know, I mean, I split my time back and forth and come here, work in the business. I go there, I work on the business and back and forth. And I was, I've got um, five people in my advisory group that I depend on to just have unpopular conversations with because I know I'm not going to get judged and I can get their feedback. And these are smart, these are smart folks that are going to help me see perspective and clarity on it. And uh, so I was talking to my buddy, John Lee, who does, does my insurance too. And as I'm driving down the highway on my way back to Colorado, I found myself just screaming at the phone for five minutes. He has a set of words. Okay. I was like, I just realized why I'm so angry with my daughter right now is because I'm scared. I'm terrified. And being angry was just the vessel of it, right? Is, and I was really, really just annoyed on the simple things. Like, wait a minute, you can go off to college and you make your bed and you wash your dishes and do all that stuff, but then you come here and you just wreck my house when you come back into it, right? Yeah. I've become an empty nester. Now you're back here, not to your fault, you know, I, you have a small list of things to do, like pick up the dog crap outside, fill the bird feeders, make sure the cat box is empty, 
Not not difficult. Make sure the trash is going out, right? I mean, nothing major, and none of that's getting done. I'm like, what? Why can't you do these things? And I'm angry. And then I just realized, I was like, I was on the phone with John. He's like, are you all right? And I was like, man, it just hit me. He's on, I'm terrified right now. Terrified I haven't done all the right things. Did I spend more time protecting my daughter instead of preparing my daughter? Mm. And all those things. And I... You know, parenting doesn't come with a guidebook, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what we do that we think we're doing it right. We're probably screwing it up anyways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when that dawned on me, I was like, man. And so when I saw her, I said, hey, I just I just want to apologize. I said, I've been angry with you for a long time, but it turns out I wasn't angry. I was just terrified. And here's why. You've now entered this world, and the pandemic has helped highlight that Things don't always go according to plan, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's important to have goals. Plans are, I mean, let's, let's talk about our TCU properties, right? Oh, no joke. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm the subject matter expert in this stuff, and then I have had to make some uncomfortable phone calls to you to be like, so you see what happened was, <laughs> and, and just, I missed a lot of things. Yeah. Now, learning from those miss those ever again mm -hmm. but um but it does get frustrating when they're when they're financially costing us to do this and i'm just sitting there going how bad did i screw this up how could i have missed this like what am i what am i missing here what is what is going on i mean they're not collapsing financially by any means they're just not as profitable as we wanted to be because of all these other things we didn't know about all along the way mm -hmm. plumbing and hvacs were, were and as you know we had we have several properties, and two of them are right next to each other. Yes. Where one house has been a challenge, and the other has been incredibly great to deal with. And yes, both properties have had some issues, and we've done everything we can to jump all over them. But even when I talked to the tenants before they became tenants, as I said, look, how I treat you is going to be based on how you treat me. And I've earned my respect in this world. And as long as you're respectful towards me, I will absolutely do everything I can possible. And as we learned, they weren't, mm -hmm. you know, some nasty little emails and threats and false accusations of you didn't do this. And I'm like, screenshot, screen. <laughs> you remember yeah. the email, right? Yeah, they had all the screenshots and the documentation like, yeah. hey, buddy. I can tell right now that your mom's a lawyer and wrote this, or one of your parents is a lawyer and wrote this. Maybe you should share this email because it sounds like you told your parents only one side of the story of everything we have done, right? And, of course, we saw it shut it down right away. Yeah, yeah. And where we were able to get most of our properties to do two-year leases, naturally along the way, we just figured these, these two were probably not going to renew, right? And... You just accept it. You go, okay, well, we'll do what we can, and we'll get new tenants in there, and we'll do everything we can. And when I, remember when I texted you the other day, and I said, hey, do you want to hear something that's going to brighten your day? And oh, yeah. so here's what, I wanted, here's what I wanted to relate to you is we're doing it right. You and I are doing it right with these properties, and here's why. The tenant's in the good property. Um, the, the main tenant I talked to in there, they're in a group thread, but he's the main one that coordinates everything says, hey, can I call you? Yeah, sure. Give me a holler. And said, hey, when we originally got these properties, it was because, 
you know, well, they're party houses, right? Mm -hmm. They have the shared yards and can throw the parties and do whatever it is that college kids are doing nowadays. And he said, we are pretty certain that the friends of ours that are next to us are going to go find somewhere else to live. And if we don't know the guys next door, then we really don't want to stay. And I said, completely understandable. And I appreciate your patience through everything. He goes, oh, no, I'm calling to see if you have any other properties. We don't want to live in anybody else's properties. Wow. We want to live in a MyTCU property. They said, look, we get it. This house, <laughs> it's had some issues. But he said, y'all have been great to deal with. Y'all jump all over it. You do everything. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. And I said, man, it really makes me feel good to hear that because your neighbors next door, your buddies have been real challenging. And he was like, yeah. I mean, they're boys, so he's not going to cut yeah. it up. But you can just tell he was like, ah. it sounded like, I mean, I might misinterpret it, but it sounded like they knew, they realized yeah. that. And I said, actually, I do. I got a vacant one right now. And, you know, here's here's it's got a lockbox on it. Go over there and take a look at it right now. I, I would love to have you guys here because they've been fantastic to deal with. And that's when I knew you and I were doing it right. Even though the structure of the properties have had some challenges and really only one set of tenants were challenges. The rest of them are like, yeah, we we love living in your property. Yeah, I know. And, and I, 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 I got to give credit totally to you on that deal because I would have, uh, this is PG or. You can say whatever you want, brother. I would have lost my shit with those guys. <laughs> I would have lost my shit because I would have been like, dude, uh, the ghetto would have came out. But you, you handle it very well. And I, dude, ha- my hat's off to you because you, you've been awesome with that deal. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would love to, yeah, I, I try to call yeah. you back, but we, no, yeah, I, it's I mean, either five thirty or 6am before we get to right. hold of each other. But yeah, yeah. no, I, that, uh, it was, you know, ultimately we knew those properties that we would have to tear them down and rebuild. Right. Um, uh, we've got bigger projects, uh, bigger ideas for that, for that location. But yeah, yeah. uh, that's awesome. And then even further, I just said, man, I totally get it. And I said, look, I know you guys wanted this as a party house, and they, naturally they had some issues, and we are. We are. We're trying to do as much as we can. I mean, we've blown through a – we have blown past the budget that we had to do for CapEx stuff, like, yeah. way, way past it, right? And I said, but the other ones are good. I mean, this other one has got – It's we had that new electrical service put on it, had the new HVAC compressor, and I was like, these are much, much better properties. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, we – we just want to live in one of your guys' properties. He goes, just in case one of these don't fit, do you have any more? And I was like, no, I know we don't. I was like, everybody else signed two-year leases. But it was just, that was a warm feeling to get that. And I just said, and he goes, well, I so know we you. So we got some warm work tonight. Let's go find some. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, he said, well, I know that you were talked about, you know, maybe tearing these down. And I said, yeah. I said, that's, I've learned in the last couple of weeks there's some politics we're going to have to navigate before we do that. So it's probably going to be a few more seasons before that gets to happen. And he goes, oh, well, hey, man, we got some sophomores that are looking for a place that are in our fraternity. What if I put them in here? And I was like, dude, what? I was like, dude, you get you get that whole thing filled out. And I figured you would have totally been I, okay with this. I, I was like, I I'll like, give you, I'll, I'll put a grand in your pocket if you get yeah, those guys to yeah, sign a new lease. I'll give them a paid vacation to South Padre. Yeah, 
even you know, hey, they would probably they probably love that. But yeah, I was just like, we need, we need to buy a condo down there. Yeah, you got a condo down there? No, we need to get one. Oh, we, we can do that too. Yeah, we can absolutely do that. Yeah. You know, and we can make it an income property. But between you and I, we'll probably be down there all the damn time. <laughs> be like, well, we're not making any money. Why? Because we're spending all our time down. Here. <laughs> but I was like, this is. That's when I was like, you know what? And you and I talked about it in the beginning. It's like, hey, listen, if, if we're going to buy properties and we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. You yeah, know? for sure. And that was you trusting me, right? You, and me trusting you is that that trust allowed that to happen. We're now the results on this. Here it is. Let's see. This thing closed at the end of March. April, May, June, July, August, September. So we're six months into it and tenants we're like, no, we want to stay in your property. So, Jeremy, let me let me share this with you, right? So, we've both been burned. Like, I've yeah. lost lots of money, trusted guys. Um, even recently, uh, yeah, I could I could go on and on. But for me, it's about uh, you know consistency and following through, follow mm-hmm. through, right? Like uh, these little things. Whether it's hey, I'll be there at, at this time, or you know, don't flake on me, uh, you know. And you've consistently shown that with me. And so, uh, you know, when you ask me, say, hey, we got to put some money down on this house. Like, okay, I trust you. We've looked at this. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, that first property we bought, hey, we want to buy it. I'll wire the money. But for me, it's about consistency. And if there's little things that I've noticed, even with you know, my attorneys that I just mm-hmm. fired, right? Like, you know, you didn't follow through with this. You said you're going to do four or five things. And that means a lot to me, right? Um, and so... One of the things I've learned in this process of kind of the entrepreneurship, right, is is if you see fat, cut it, right? If you see fat, let's just just don't me- waste any time. Yeah, is that when you think about firing somebody, that's when you should fire somebody. Yep. Don't don't put any more thought into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, I've learned, you know, the converse of 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 what to do with bad people is you you extrapolate that right and say this is what good people look like. And that's where, you know, I, I've gleaned from my interaction with so many bad people. It's like, man, they don't follow through. They're full of shit. And this guy has sent me emails, threads of like just lawyer-like, uh, you know, meticulous note-taking with these tenants. I'm like, dude, this is a guy I need on my team. That's why I was like, hands down, let's do it. And so uh, that's that's kind of where 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 I, my trust has evolved. You know, do we hang out? Man, we just met. When did we meet? Like, literally. Man, not, um, uh, coming up on a year ago. I think it was October last yeah. year. And, uh, you know, I was- It was October. Of, yeah. yeah. It was October you know, last year. I think Eric introduced us, and I'm yeah. like, okay, this guy's- You were looking at a multifamily yeah, up in, in Denton, in Denton. and I took one look at the financials and said, hey, Baba. <laughs> uh, no, and then, and then we, we looked yeah. at the Burr strategy, and I knew about yeah. it, and like, uh, you know, I'm not a really big- Single family, but this is really like a multifamily. Because yeah. we got one house and you got five guys in there paying per head, per head right? Mm-hmm. Per, per, per door. So it's really and like it's mom multi- and dad paying. So yeah. that's good money coming yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. So TC is not going anywhere. So right. uh, I think we got a great strategy, but I think for me, it's like trusting people that follow through. Yeah. And that's that's the key. And man, for, for me, what it did, and, and, and Laura's, made this comment several times. She goes, man, I'm really, really happy that, you know, because not only whenever I approached you and said, hey, man, what do you think about partnering up on this? And then, you know, even when 
the wives even heard it because they've seen the recipient, they've seen the results of previous partnerships, right? Yeah. And the wives are like, well, hey, don't hurry yeah. do this. And, and then I was just was like, yeah, but I was like, in my mind, it was this is I've always, just like when I sat in your kitchen with you and your wife, as I said, I'm a guy that's got to carry a flag, right? And the Marine Corps, I carry the American flag. And PD, I carry the Texas and city of Fort Worth flag. And that's what my search has been for is I just, I've got to have part of my purpose in life is I've got to have something that I can fight for. And the time gap between there, and don't get me wrong, because I'm not taking anything away from me and my wife being partners and doing the real estate stuff, which we, I mean, I, I do a whole podcast series on how incredible it's been. That's my wife too, right? I trust her. Naturally, she's my wife. She's going to look after our interests and everything else. But that major burn I had from in between the PD and there where I thought I was carrying another flag for an unnamed company that burned me to the point of um, the uh, – to the point where I had lost, lost all the money and – I was holding a bag for four million in assets. I mean, whoa! Um, and and part of the, I guess you could say, putting it to rest was being able to find. I I need I needed to be able to find. And I didn't realize this actually as much as I did till you and I had met and. Didn't even realize it as much until we got to TCU properties and, and going on with that was what I really needed in my life was I've seen so much bad, right, between the Marine Corps and the PD and working violent sex crimes and everything else. I'd seen so much bad that I just needed to believe that there was still good in this world and that, it, that, that there is at least one person outside of my wife <laughs> that I could go trust. And that's what it became. So it was less about the partnership, less about money, less about anything else. I was just like, oh, no. I remember sitting in your kitchen. I was like, man, I, look, I'm almost not even going to give you a choice. Like, I have to do this with you. Like, I, this, is, this is making me re-believe that there is good in this world, right? So when Eric got married last Friday. Amen. And, wow. and I married him. Yeah. Congrats. I did it. And, and one of the things I said during the ceremony is, because this is on 9-11, I said, in a, what I call that, post-pandemic, yeah. riding, protesting, election year trifecta, and on a day that reminds us that 19 years ago we were attacked and we've been at war. This marriage here today is a reminder that good can still happen. Two people who love each other could still come together, right? And it's funny is, even as many times as taking it on the chin on stuff, I still need to believe that there is still good in this world, mm -hmm. right? Because I've got a very grotesque view of, you know, all the things that we naturally see. So yeah. it was really funny. And I tell Eric all the time, I was like, man, the biggest solid you ever did to me, did for me, was introduce me to Rudy. <laughs> and I love it, man, because when we do our 6 a.m. talks, and I'll have people go, yeah, so when you talk with at 6 a.m., they're like, can I call you at 6 a.m.? And I said, look, first off, I know you're not up at 6 a.m., so that ain't going to happen. And two, yeah, you're, you're going to have to go through some serious. <laughs> you know, and then, uh, but it's just, yeah. that's why, you know, I was really excited for you to be, you know, 
some of the very first guests on here is because to tell the story of you grew up with immigrant parents that, man, couldn't rub two nickels together to make a dime to medical school, to successful entrepreneur, to just everything, beautiful wife, great kids. I mean, man, you're just yeah. pretty, you know, pretty charmed life that as everybody else gets to see the results of all the hard work, but they would go, oh, I want to go do that. But they don't realize, hey, wait a minute, let me tell you about all the brain damage that goes behind all of this. Mm-hmm. Get all that, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, it's kind of hard to look back um, at all the stuff that maybe you, know, you, you go through. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of always look forward. I, I always kind of move in, in that forward direction. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how to respond to that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but for, I don't know, one thing for me, it's like I've always been kind of a quiet, introverted type of guy. I'd never been like very demonstrative or extroverted with, you know, I proclaim that, you know, some people have to write, you know, all this and, and you know, almost tell people that you're doing these things <clears throat> kind of puts you on the hook um, because then you have to do it. But for me, it's just like, a quiet, focused tunnel vision to, to accomplish your goals. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really think back on, Oh, I did this or did that. Cause it's kind of a vague memory, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if I sit down and look at my memory bank of, you know, studying all night and, and whatever the case was, but, uh, man, I'm just grateful, blessed, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I met you and glad I'm working on some real estate together. And that's, uh, that's kind of, you know, what I want to channel my money in, into assets. And, and, uh, I'm glad that I met you and, uh, we, we can do this together for sure, man. Yeah. So the last question I like to ask everybody at, at the end of every one of these is, and again, I know there's probably 50,000 things you could answer in this, but what is the one takeaway you have where you are in life that if you could go back to 22 year old self and mm-hmm. say, you're not going to listen to anything else. Here's one thing, just do this or don't do this or whatever, whatever that thing is. What would you tell 22 year old Rudy? If you could turn back the hands of time and go this one thing, if you just do this, your life will be significantly better, different, suck less, whatever. If, if you had to have that yeah. one thing. Man, that's a good question. I wish I would have, thought about that um <clears throat> you know i think the for me it would be you know when you when you uh second guess yourself or doubt yourself don't do that you you know you're you're competent you're uh um you can do it you know, and, and, and with that, you know, don't always think small, think big. Um, and, um, for me, it would be, don't second guess yourself. You know, if you think you can do it, you can do it and it's okay to fail. Right. Along with that, there's a lot of, you know, nuances with that, but I feel like you're going to screw up, you're going to mess up, but you can do it. Yeah. So the reason I was Smiling at Aaron was, so we've recorded 
11 episodes, um, 13 total people between all 11. Uh, there was three brothers that were on oh. one and that, to add the math up. And one of the things that has become really exciting about this, that same question I have asked 13 people now, not one person has given the same answer. Interesting. I mean, that's, that's being true, honest, candid, you know, because no one's going to know you like you know you at 22 versus you know you yourself where you're at. And to be able to go back in time, that's just hearing a real, real answer. And I was joking with Aaron on the last episode is I was like, we almost should title these things. What would I tell myself at 22? That because be none great. of them would have the same titles. Now, I know eventually we're going to do enough of these. There's going to be some that you're going to actually that are going to overlap, but so far not. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the first thing that came to my head, but I think there's probably lots of different things that you could tell yourself, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see what the other podcasts oh, yeah. casters have to say is, is their, their, uh, what they would tell themselves in yeah. 22 or 21. So um, if I had to go back, since this is the last one for before we do our next set of recordings um, many weeks from now, if I had to go back and tell 22-year-old self something, and my answer is different from everybody else's too, is treat your body better than you have. Um, treat your body like a temple, not a septic tank. <laughs> you being a doctor, and that's why it just also seems fitting, is just felt I was made of Teflon and indestructible and I could do whatever, eat whatever, drink whatever, mm-hmm. punish myself, whatever, you know, thrash myself, whatever. Hey, watch this, hold my beer, watch this, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then be able to go back to 22 year old self and go, Hey, look, I could give you an encyclopedia Britannica full of stupid things you should not do and things you should go do. But if you just listen to one thing, take better care of your body because when you hit like I am getting real close to 50 22 year old self if they could have a preview into current Jeremy would go oh shit I really need to pay attention to this because this sounds like this is going to hurt later yeah yeah, you know everything from you know hey when you've been out with you go and you entertain clients all the time hey maybe not always drink or hey even though you're traveling all the time for work maybe don't always go to every meal with clients. Go eat something healthy. Still go exercise or do something because the body is what's going to show the results of how you've treated it decade after decade, right? No, for sure. You know, I'm, um, this goes back to, I mean, it's what I tell patients, right? Um, I'm big into discipline, right? Like discipline will give you freedom. Uh, one of the biggest things for me is is uh, is being like, what is the hardest thing that you can do? What what I mean? What do you think? I mean, for me is is uh, is fasting. Uh, there's so many health benefits with with fasting, right? Um, yeah. Uh, with stem cell production, autophagy, basically recycling your cells, uh, reducing inflammation. But for me, uh, one of the things that that has helped me kind of stay lean as possible is just fasting. Like um, I'll do, my wife and I'll do a two-day fast or three-day fast or intermittent fasting. But um, 
that's been beneficial. And I think that even if you're closer to 50, you can totally change your, your body yeah. by just practicing that one simple thing, right? If you're on an airplane and all they have is pretzels and, you know, whatever, it's like, man, I won't eat that. I'll just fast. Yeah. It's not eat. It's easier. Yeah. But but it also parallels, like, that parallel of, of like, if I can do this, then I can do that. Yeah. Right? So if I can master and discipline my ability to, to not eat, even though you have hunger pains and whatever, uh, then you, you can, you can master anything. Right. Yeah. But there's so many health benefits with it being more fat adaptive and, and metabolizing fat much more efficiently than, than carbohydrates. Um, man, that's one thing I would, I tell my patients, like yeah. if you want to look younger, stay fitter and have less wrinkles, just fast. Cause it reduces that milieu, that soupy inflammatory soup that you have um, that will help with just looking younger. Really? Um, yeah. So I've done the intermittent fasting before and it was, I mean, it was very, very effective. And it was funny is when I got into doing intermittent fasting, it was because I, I was probably doing it already because I get so hyper-focused on what I'm doing that I will look up and it's already three o'clock and I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just keeping it to that window that. Yeah. That, that keeping that window with, Super nutrient dense foods like yeah. you know uh, not that pizza not the 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 hot dog from Sonic or, <laughs> you know the freaking uh, whatever chili yeah. dog from uh, QT not that I'm not saying that you do that but, <laughs> but uh, you know I mean I think that yeah. uh, you know uh, I think that's just key with with and it's a simple thing yeah. you can do and there's so many other diets that you can that are per, I'm a proponent of like Mediterranean diet and things like that but. Yeah. And it's like takes the thinking out of, of, of eating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's go to the beers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so with that note, let's go get a steak <laughs> and a beer. So um, with, and this is what I always uh, like to leave people with is um, also a platform to promote whatever they're doing. Naturally, mytcuproperty.com. If you have a student that goes to TCU that needs a place, you know, we're, and we're going to put all this on the website and everything yeah. else, and I'll push yeah. it on our social media for the properties. But is there anything in the doctor world with your, so, your practices, uh, a website yeah, or anything? Uh, yeah, we've got um, your family medical, uh, familymedical.com. I'll, I'll send you the links. And then Comprehensive Pain Institute uh, is is my practice. And we've got two lo- uh, two locations, one in Benbrook and one in Bedford. Um, and then we'll have one in Louisville as well in the near yeah. future. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, a comprehensive pain, which basically deals with mostly pain, all the pain syndromes. That's where I cut my teeth and that's where I treat patients. But, uh, you know, uh, we have your family medical, which is mostly geared for, uh, internal medicine, adult medicine, uh, male and female. Uh, we've got some providers that work for us that, uh, want to treat people like family and, and take care of people. Yeah. So, well, and then that's what we're going to do. We're going to not only, you know, for people downloading this on both YouTube and for the podcast, but we're going to have it on the website. So that way anybody that needs any sort of direction, they can go there and well, thank see you. where, yeah, absolutely, man. It's the least I can do for you giving me a couple of hours out of your day. I know you're a busy man. Yeah, I, know I know you're always know. busy. Thank so you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. Yes, man, sir. That's, there are a lot of people out there that will, you know, our target audience is high performers. And high performers, you know, hearing your story, that's, that's what's key here, right? That's what's, that, that shows them, look, yeah. success, and then just fall off a tree, you know, 
And uh, like you said, fall forward into it, right? Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thank I you, appreciate brother. you coming. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right.